Hey, Bible, y'all. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Bible Y'all podcast for Wednesday, January 3rd. Happy Humiliation Day, which honestly feels weird to say, because I don't think it means what the calendar people think it means. It's not a day to humiliate others, which leaves out most actors, politicians, and newspeople, nor is it a day to humiliate yourself, which again, actors, politicians, and newspeople. No, the calendar people say the idea is to foster humbleness in ourselves. Uh, you trying to say humility, Bible y'all, Paul? Well, I thought so, but the calendar people say I'm wrong. It's humbleness. Whatever, here's the deal. Far as us Christians are concerned, humility is a good thing, because it's the opposite of pride, which is what got us in all this trouble in the first place. And by humility, I mean, remember, you are not God. Well, obviously, Bible y'all, Paul. Well, no, you'd think so, but no, because being a God doesn't actually mean you think you're a God. God is a title, meaning utmost authority. And if you're one of those guys that says, I'm in charge of my life, boom, you're your own God. Or maybe you're one of those guys that devotes himself entirely to his wife, or like a mom does to her kids. Well, then that's your God. Thing is, though, it actually is up to you what you worship. And that autonomy, that power to choose for yourself, is the main characteristic of what a God is. A God, not the God, small g. Big G God set it up that way because he wants your faith, and if you can't choose it, it ain't faith. He also knows if you don't choose him, you're going to lose everything, right down to your very soul. The only way not to is to submit your will to God's headship. That's right, the only way to have victory is to surrender. God has a fantastic sense of humor and he loves irony. And if that freaks you out, wait till I tell you about this whole love your enemies thing. Our reading for today is Genesis 5, 1 through 7, 24, Matthew 3, 7 through 4, 11, Psalm 3, 1 through 8, and Proverbs 1, 10 through 19. So if y'all are ready, well, now I got that Humble Pie song stuck in my head. You know, Frampton's old group. And I just realized nobody under 50 has any idea what I'm talking about. But before we get to the reading, let's me and the squad do a review of yesterday's study. Okay, yesterday on the 2nd in the Old Testament, we read Genesis 3, 1 through 4, 26. And that starts out, Now the serpent was more subtle, read that crafty or sneaky or deceptive, than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. So right off the bat, we have a lot to think about. All them old Sunday school drawings pictured the serpent as a snake wrapped around a tree branch. But remember, pre-fall world, we have no idea what snakes were like, what trees were like, or what people were like. Elsewhere in the Bible, we're told there was no death before Adam sinned. Well, trees nowadays grow in the dirt and get their nutrients from dead and decaying matter in the ground. If there was no death, what did the trees live on? I mean, if there was no death, I just answered my own question. But Adam and Eve were allowed to eat any fruits or vegetables they wanted. If there was no death, why bother to eat? And what happened to what you ate after you ate it? The idea of natural immortality makes me think that the multidimensional theory of the original creation may have something to it. And yesterday we talked about the speed of light slowing down. Well, pre-fall, it might have been instantaneous or infinite, which suggests a connection to eternity to me. I mean, God was walking around with them there. But wait, there's more. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And look what he did here. He questioned what God said. And he could do this with Eve because she wasn't around when God said it, unless he repeated it to her and it's just not recorded, which is certainly possible. 
We don't know how long they wandered around the garden before this. Could have been 15 billion years or 35 seconds. Or 35 seconds could equal 15 billion years. Because maybe time is malleable from the higher dimensions. You starting to get the idea? Like, what does a snake look like from the seventh dimension? Or what does it act like from there? But anyway, that's always Satan's first go-to. To get you to question God. It doesn't do any good for him to question God. He has to sow doubt in your mind. But Eve's like, no, we can eat off of all of them trees, except for that one right there. And look what she does next. She says, Of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. Well, number one, you ain't supposed to eat from it because God said not to, and that ought to be good enough. But she does what all religious people do and takes the central focus off of what God said and puts it on herself. She says it's cause I'll die, not cause the boss said not to. And B, she says, God hath said, ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. Well, no, he didn't. He never said, don't touch it. Eve just invented the very first religion by injecting her own ritualistic ideas into God's word. She just formed the first church of don't touch the tree. <laughs> now she and Adam are in a mixed faith marriage. <laughs> in verse four, and the serpent said unto the woman, ye shall not surely die. And this is the only lie he had to tell. Notice that. He says, God knows that if you eat of that tree, ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And ye shall be as gods is the number one sin. It's pride, but it's a lot more than just pride. Everything we do that's a sin boils down to putting ourselves in God's place in some way or another. And it's really attractive. The only godlike quality the tree gives you is the ability to make value judgments. Which, again, pride. And it's another way of putting yourself in God's place. That's why Jesus said, don't make value judgments or you'll be judged by the same standard you judged others. And I want to point out that there's a difference between being judgmental and using good judgment. It's not judgmental to say drug addicts are not allowed in your house. It is judgmental to say God shouldn't love drug addicts and we shouldn't bother to minister to them. That's a big difference. But anyway, Eve's like, you talk me into it, bro. I want it all. And when she saw that the tree was good for food, as if there wasn't plenty of other food, but hey, lust of the flesh, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, lust of the eye, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, and there's your pride of life, she ate that apple and nothing happened. Because the universe is not her responsibility. That was given to Adam. She violated the only doctrine in the first church of don't touch the tree, which she invented and nothing happened. So she gave some of that apple to Adam and he ate it. And boom, everything's over. Or on its way out, anyway. The universe that used to be infinite and eternal was now finite, which means it has an end. The speed of light was now finite and slowing down like we talked about yesterday. Because Adam sinned, not Eve. God told him no, but he said yes, and took his part of creation down with him. That's when the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew what it meant to be naked or exposed before God. So they sewed fig leaves together to try to cover some of that sin up. And that's a second religious act. We now have an offshoot of the tree church, the leaf church, where the doctrine is to wear clothes. So about that time, God shows up. In verse 8, they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And being from Floridia, where the days are rarely cool, I'm always struck by that line. And they're hiding from him, which don't work. <laughs> and God's like, what are y'all doing? Why are y'all wearing that stupid looking leaf clothing? And why is my garden such a wreck? And he wasn't asking because he didn't know the answer. He was just trying to give Adam every chance to own up to it. 
but he didn't. He didn't lie. He just blame shifted. He's like, well, that woman you gave me made me eat the apple. If you'd have never gave me that woman, none of this would have happened. And he's like, it ain't my fault. That weird snake looking thing tricked me. So God explains the curse to him. And I get the impression he wasn't saying, this is what I'm doing to you to punish you. More like, this is what it's like when you choose to leave eternity where I am. Like, you touch the stove, now you got a burnt up hand. Ah. And the serpent gets it pretty rough. Which makes me think he had some choice or agency in this and wasn't just possessed by the devil or something. But speaking to Satan that caused the serpent to do all this, he says, I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. And that's weird and prophetic. First of all, women don't have seed. That's a man thing, except in the case of Mary and her son, Jesus. And you could say that the crucifixion was little more than a bruised heel for Jesus because there was some injury to God in it, but he's still going to be victorious and stomp the devil's head one day. Fairly shortly, I hope. There's a lot going on in those 28 words. Chase that down later on your own. And then Eve gets travail in childbirth, but worse than that, He says, thy desire shall be to thy husband and he shall rule over thee. And better translated, it would be thy desires shall be referred or submitted to thy husband's will and pleasure to grant or deny them as he sees fit. And the Benson commentary says, seeing for want of thy husband's rule and guidance, thou wast seduced and didst abuse the power and influence I gave thee by drawing thy husband into sin. Thou shalt now be brought to a lower degree. And whereas thou wast made thy husband's equal, thou shalt henceforward be his inferior, and he shall rule over thee as thy lord and governor, which is pretty much what happened throughout all of history. And it ain't like you won't always be trying to take over, but it rarely ever works. And even when some woman does rule over her man, how sad is that relationship? I mean, y'all could have been equals, but pride. And Adam maybe gets it worst of all, because now he has to work really hard just to stay alive and to keep Eve alive. And that's the way it's been ever since. Modern monetary theory and division of labor have made things a little easier on us, but bottom line, everything in the world is trying to kill us. And everything we do is all about trying to not die too horribly. <laughs> oh, that's all. It's true, though. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So God's like, well, I can't have this sin in my house or my yard, so y'all can't stay here anymore. We can't hang out no more. Now, don't worry, me and the seed of the woman are going to fix this one day. But we got to go through a lot of stuff first, about 6,000 years worth, maybe 10, I'm not sure. But before y'all go, here, put these on. And the Lord God made coats of skin and clothed them, because it's only innocent blood that can cover you to me. And then God posts a bunch of cherubims and a flaming sword, which turned every way to keep the way of the tree of life. And what is that flaming sword? Who knows? I got no idea. Then he tells them, okay, y'all get out of here and get to work on inventing farming. That'll be fun. And then in chapter 4, Adam and Eve, they get together and start having kids. And it's possible they already had many hundreds of kids. And Cain was just her firstborn after the fall. I don't know if that's the case, but they did have a passel of sons and daughters. And the name Cain signifies possession because she says she's gotten a man from the Lord. And his little brother Abel means vanity, basically. And Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. He was a farmer. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. And Abel, he also brought of the firstlings of his flock and of the fat thereof. Okay, why? Who told him to do that? Because sacrifices are mosaic things. And that's not for a very long time yet. So does this mean that all these guys were given the Torah? 
the law way back at the beginning, way before Moses ever wrote it down? Because that's mind-blowing. But it says, The Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering, but unto Cain and to his offering he had not respect. And Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell. Whatever they were doing, whatever was going on, Cain did it wrong. But how'd they know? I have literally no answer for that, not even a guess. God took sacrifices by fire in those days. How did they know it wasn't accepted? That is also mind-blowing. But whatever, instead of doing what he was asked, he got all pouty. And God's like, quit acting like a baby. If you do right, then you and me got no problems. Or you can keep acting the fool, and sin lieth at the door, waiting on you. And unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. Which is the exact same wording he used with Eve a few minutes ago. And I don't know what that means, but something. But guess which one of them Cain chose? Yep, he goes out in the field, and tradition says he beat his little brother to death with a rock. But the Bible doesn't say how he killed him. It could have been anything, like a spear. It's interesting that the first recorded death was the accepted of God killed by the rejected of God, precisely because he was accepted of God. Know anybody else like that? Mm. Anyway, God busts him out. He's like, where's your brother, Cain? And Cain's like, I don't know. I ain't the one in charge of keeping track of little brothers. I thought that was your job. And God's like, well, that escalated quickly. And God's like, look, man, I ain't asking because I don't know. The voice of thy brother's blood crieth unto me from the ground. I mean, I was trying to give you a chance to repent, and maybe we could work something out. But if this is how ye want things, now art thou cursed from the earth, which hath opened her mouth to receive thy brother's blood from thy hand. When thou tillest the ground, it shall not henceforth yield unto thee her strength. A fugitive and a vagabond shalt thou be in the earth. And Cain's like, well, you can't do that. The first person who sees me is going to kill me. Now, why would he think that? Mm -hmm. But God's like, no, I'll put a mark on you so nobody will mess with you. And what mark? And why will that tell him not to mess with him? What's going on here? But the Bible never tells us, so we just got to imagine. But anyway, he runs him off to the east. And Cain and his wife, they start having kids. His firstborn was Enoch, who will be very important later. And Genesis traces this genealogy on down, and each generation has a different skill set and specialty, like they're figuring out how to function in this new rapidly decaying world. And four or five generations down, a grandson named Lamech kills somebody. And don't know who or why, but he apparently regretted it. And it looks like he repented, which would make this the first mention of repentance. But anyway, Adam and Eve are still around, and they're having more kids. And she had Seth, which means appointed, as a replacement for Abel, whom Cain slew. And Seth has a son, and he calls his name Enos. And then it says, Then began men to call upon the name of the Lord. And this is a bad translation, and probably because the original is so hard to understand too. It could be, the worshipers of God began to do more in religion than they had done. Or, men began to worship God not only in their closets and families, but in public and solemn assemblies. Or, then began men to be called by the name of the Lord, or to call themselves by it. Others say, then men began to profane the name of the Lord, by like idolatry and superstition. And a little bit more literal translation is, then was a beginning made to call with, to use the name in invocations in like ancient cults and stuff. And I don't know, what some people think is basically, people are worshiping Satan and his minions, and that's kind of where I lean. But that's where we stopped. So much insight into God and human nature here. I really encourage everybody to dig in a little deeper. I'm going to go with chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. This interaction between God and the defiant, disobedient Cain before he kills Abel. 
Cain's angry because God didn't accept what Cain saw fit to offer him. Cain was mad at God, not Abel. In verse 7, God tells Cain and us the source of anger. Essentially, if you do well, you're accepted, and if you don't do well, sin lies at the door, and unto you shall be his desire, and you must rule over him. There appear to be rules of engagement, and Satan must wait for us to agree with him like Eve did in the garden. We choose God or other than God to be our master. God does not need to bait us or trick us. I mean, he's God. And then in the New Testament, we read Matthew 2.13 through 3.6. And we just read about the wise men coming to visit and bringing gifts to Jesus. So the wise men leave, and as soon as they're gone, the angel of the Lord appeareth to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise and take the young child and his mother and flee into Egypt, and stay there until I tell you to come back. For Herod is going to seek to destroy the young child. And he did. Joe's learned to listen by this point. And Matthew points out, that this is fulfilled prophecy too. Of course, Herod did get so mad he couldn't see straight, and he killed every child in the greater Bethlehem metro area that was under two years old. And Matthew again points out that this is fulfilled prophecy. And eventually Herod dies, and the angel tells Joe it's finally safe to come back. But Joe was still a little skittish about going back to Jerusalem because Herod's son was running things. So instead, he settles in this little redneck community called Nazareth. And the family was probably there for about 20 years or so before anything else happened. And then in chapter 3, we hear about Jesus' cousin named John, who was really only a few months older than him. So they both reached the age of 30 at about the same time, and 30 is when the Jews allowed a man to become a rabbi and start to preach. So probably what happened was, a few months before Jesus' birthday, when his cousin John turned 30, John immediately heads out to the wilderness to start preaching the imminent arrival of the King of the Jews and baptizing people into whatever this pre-church group was called, and saying, Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And one more time, Matthew points out, this is prophecy from Isaiah. And John was a man of singular purpose. He did not care how he looked, or what he ate, or what anybody said about him. (laughs) He dressed weird, he dogged all the Jews out, and developed a huge following. But that's as far as we read in Matthew. God spoke to Joseph in dreams because he obeyed every time. He mixed faith with the word, married a pregnant girl, moved to Egypt after the wise men provided traveling money. He moved back to Israel and then to Nazareth, which doesn't appear to be his first choice. Again, it's hard to stop reading here. And then in Psalms, we read Psalm 2, verse 1 through 12. And this is one of my favorites. It's basically the entire Bible in 12 verses. God says, what is the matter with you people? Y'all are so mad at me, it's all y'all can think about. But what exactly do you think you're going to accomplish? I mean, y'all do stuff like rig elections and even do stupid occult rituals like spirit cooking to help y'all steal them. But what's that even get you? You get to be in charge of some piddly little human government for a while? And that's it? That's supposed to be worth your souls? You really think you're going to break my bands asunder and cast away my cords from you? I gotta tell you, that may be the funniest thing I've ever seen. But it is getting about time, though, for me to put a stop to y'all's foolishness. So here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna set my king upon my holy hill of Zion. My son, I mean. And he's gonna take charge of everything down there and bust some heads like a potter's vessel. So y'all better get y'all's act together and be wise now, therefore, O ye kings. Be instructed, ye judges of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. 
Y'all better kiss the son, lest he be angry, and ye perish from the way, when his wrath is kindled but a little, cause blessed are all they that put their trust in him. Yeah, this is a good prayer for leaders, whether they're in politics or religion, to serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. I mean, he is God already. So kiss the son and put your trust in him. And then in Proverbs, we read Proverbs 1, verses 7 through 9. And that says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. And reverence and awe is probably a better way to translate it. But I mean fear too, because God can be scary if he wants to. But it continues, fools despise wisdom and instruction. You ever work with anybody like that? No idea what he's doing and messing stuff up everywhere, but he gets mad when you try to teach him. Same deal. And it goes on, My son, hear the instruction of thy father and forsake not the law of thy mother, because we know what we're talking about. Listen to us. For they shall be an ornament of grace unto thy head and chains about thy neck. Talking about the instruction of his father and mother. Because being smart is a better adornment than any crown or gold chains. So those that lack reason, like fools, can't appreciate instruction or wisdom. They don't know how to honor their parents. They don't have the capacity until they choose the fear of the Lord. And then verse 9, the complete Jewish Bible says it this way. My son, heed the discipline of your father and don't abandon the teaching of your mother. They will be a garland to grace your head and a medal of honor to your neck. Honoring parents comes with a promise. But that's the end of our review of yesterday's study. Thanks for your help, babe. Our reading in the Old Testament for January 3rd is Genesis 5.1 through 7.24. This is the book of the generations of Adam. In the day that God created man, in the likeness of God made he him. Male and female created he them, and blessed them and called their name Adam in the day when they were created. And Adam lived an hundred and thirty years, and begat a son in his own likeness, after his image, and called his name Seth. And the days of Adam, after he had begotten Seth, were eight hundred years. And he begat sons and daughters. And all the days that Adam lived were nine hundred and thirty years, and he died. And Seth lived an hundred and five years, and begat Enos. And Seth lived after he begat Enos eight hundred and seven years, and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Seth were nine hundred and twelve years, and he died. And Enos lived ninety years, and begat Canaan. And Enos lived after he begat Canaan eight hundred and fifteen years, and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Enos were nine hundred and five years, and he died. And Canaan lived seventy years, and begat Mahalalel. And Canaan lived after he begat Mahalalel eight hundred and forty years, and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Canaan were nine hundred and ten years, and he died. And Mahalalel lived sixty and five years, and begat Jared. And Mahalalel lived, after he begat Jared, eight hundred and thirty years, and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Mahalalel were eight hundred ninety and five years, and he died. And Jared lived an hundred sixty and two years, and he begat Enoch. And Jared lived, after he begat Enoch, eight hundred years, and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Jared were nine hundred sixty and two years, and he died. And Enoch lived sixty and five years, and begat Methuselah. And Enoch walked with God after he begat Methuselah three hundred years, and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Enoch were three hundred sixty and five years. And Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. And Methuselah lived an hundred eighty and seven years, and begat Lamech. And Methuselah lived after he begat Lamech seven hundred eighty and two years, and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Methuselah were nine hundred sixty and nine years, and he died. And Lamech lived an hundred eighty and two years, 
and beget a son, and he called his name Noah, saying, This same shall comfort us concerning our work and toil of our hands, because of the ground which the Lord hath cursed. And Lamech lived after he begat Noah five hundred ninety and five years, and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Lamech were seven hundred seventy and seven years, and he died. And Noah was five hundred years old, and Noah begat Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Chapter 6 And it came to pass, when men began to multiply on the face of the earth, and daughters were born unto them, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men, that they were fair, and they took them wives of all which they chose. And the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man, for that he is also flesh, yet his days shall be an hundred and twenty years. There were giants in the earth in those days, and also after that, when the sons of God came in unto the daughters of men, and they bare children to them. The same became mighty men which were of old, men of renown. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, and the creeping thing, and the fowls of the air. For it repenteth me that I have made them. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man and perfect in his generations. And Noah walked with God. And Noah begat three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. The earth also was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. And God looked upon the earth, and behold, it was corrupt. For all flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. And God said unto Noah, The end of all flesh is come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Make thee an ark of gopher wood. Room shalt thou make in the ark, and shalt pitch it within and without with pitch. And this is the fashion which thou shalt make it of. The length of the ark shall be three hundred cubits, the breadth of it fifty cubits, and the height of it thirty cubits. A window shalt thou make to the ark, and in a cubit shalt thou finish it above, and the door of the ark shalt thou set in the side thereof. With lower, second, and third stories shalt thou make it. And behold, I, even I, do bring a flood of waters upon the earth, to destroy all flesh, wherein is the breath of life from under heaven. And everything that is in the earth shall die. But with thee will I establish my covenant. And thou shalt come into the ark, thou and thy sons, and thy wife, and thy sons' wives with thee. And of every living thing of all flesh, two of every sort shalt thou bring into the ark, to keep them alive with thee. They shall be male and female, of fowls after their kind, and of cattle after their kind, of every creeping thing of the earth after his kind. Two of every sort shall come unto thee, to keep them alive. And take thou unto thee of all food that is eaten, and thou shalt gather it to thee, and it shall be for food for thee, and for them. Thus did Noah, according to all that God commanded him, so did he. Chapter 7 And the Lord said unto Noah, Come thou and all thy house into the ark, for thee have I seen righteous before me in this generation. Of every clean beast thou shalt take to thee by sevens, the male and his female, and of beasts that are not clean by two, the male and his female, of fowls also of the air by sevens, the male and the female, to keep seed alive upon the face of all the earth. For yet seven days, and I will cause it to rain upon the earth forty days and forty nights. And every living substance that I have made will I destroy from off the face of the earth. And Noah did according unto all that the Lord commanded him. And Noah was six hundred years old when the flood of waters was upon the earth. And Noah went in, and his sons, and his wife, and his sons' wives with him into the ark, because of the waters of the flood. 
of clean beasts and of beasts that are not clean, and of fowls and of everything that creepeth upon the earth, there went in two and two unto Noah into the ark, the male and the female, as God had commanded Noah. And it came to pass after seven days that the waters of the flood were upon the earth. In the six hundredth year of Noah's life, in the second month, in the seventeenth day of the month, the same day were all the foundations of the great deep broken up, and the windows of heaven were opened, and the rain was upon the earth forty days and forty nights. In the selfsame day entered Noah and Shem and Ham and Japheth, the sons of Noah, and Noah's wife, and the three wives of his sons with them into the ark, they and every beast after his kind, and all the cattle after their kind, and every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth after his kind, and every fowl after his kind, every bird of every sort. And they went in unto Noah into the ark, two and two of all flesh, wherein is the breath of life. And they that went in, went in male and female of all flesh, as God had commanded him, and the Lord shut him in. And the flood was forty days upon the earth, and the waters increased, and bare up the ark, and it was lift up above the earth. And the waters prevailed, and were increased greatly upon the earth. And the ark went upon the face of the waters, and the waters prevailed exceedingly upon the earth. And all the high hills that were under the whole heaven were covered. Fifteen cubits upward did the waters prevail, and the mountains were covered. And all flesh died that moved upon the earth, both of fowl, and of cattle, and of beast, and of every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth, and every man, all in whose nostrils was the breath of life, of all that was in the dry land, died. And every living substance was destroyed which was upon the face of the ground, both man and cattle, and the creeping things, and the fowl of the heaven, and they were destroyed from the earth. And Noah only remained alive, and they that were with him in the ark. And the waters prevailed upon the earth an hundred and fifty days. Our reading in the New Testament for January 3rd is Matthew 3, 7 through 4, 11. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees come to his baptism, he said unto them, O generation of vipers, who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bring forth therefore fruits meet for repentance. And think not to say within yourselves, We have Abraham to our father, For I say unto you, that God is able of these stones to raise up children unto Abraham. And now also the axe is laid unto the root of the trees. Therefore every tree which bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance. But he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire, whose fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly purge his floor and gather his wheat into the garner. But he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Then cometh Jesus from Galilee to Jordan unto John to be baptized of him. But John forbade him, saying, I have need to be baptized of thee, and comest thou to me? And Jesus answering said unto him, Suffer it to be so now, for thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he suffered him. And Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water, and lo, the heavens were opened unto him, And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove, and lighting upon him. And lo, a voice from heaven, saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Chapter 4 Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And when he had fasted forty days and forty nights, he was afterward and hungered. And when the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Then the devil taketh him up into the holy city, and setteth him on a pinnacle of the temple, and saith unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down. For it is written, 
he shall give his angels charge concerning thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. Jesus said unto him, It is written again, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Again the devil taketh him up into an exceeding high mountain, and sheweth him all the kingdoms of the world, and the glory of them, and saith unto him, All these things will I give thee, if thou wilt fall down and worship me. Then saith Jesus unto him, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Then the devil leaveth him, and behold, angels came and ministered unto him. Our reading in Psalms for January 3rd is Psalm 3, 1-8. A Psalm of David, when he fled from Absalom his son. Lord, how are they increased that trouble me? Many are they that rise up against me. Many there be which say of my soul, There is no help for him in God. Selah. But thou, O Lord, art a shield for me, my glory and the lifter up of mine head. I cried unto the Lord with my voice, and he heard me out of his holy hill. Selah. I laid me down and slept. I awaked, for the Lord sustained me. I will not be afraid of ten thousands of people that have set themselves against me round about. Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God. For thou hast smitten all mine enemies upon the cheekbone. Thou hast broken the teeth of the ungodly. Salvation belongeth unto the Lord. Thy blessing is upon thy people. Selah. And our reading in Proverbs for January 3rd is Proverbs 1, 10-19. My son, if sinners entice thee, consent thou not. If they say, Come with us, let us lay wait for blood, let us lurk privily for the innocent without cause, let us swallow them up alive as the grave, and whole as those that go down into the pit. We shall find all precious substance, we shall fill our houses with spoil. Cast in thy lot among us, let us all have one purse. My son, walk not thou in the way with them, refrain thy foot from their path, for their feet run to evil, and make haste to shed blood. Surely in vain the net is spread in the sight of any bird, and they lay wait for their own blood. They lurk privily for their own lives. So are the ways of every one that is greedy of gain, which taketh away the life of the owners thereof. And that will do it for the third. Okay, y'all, let's do our 30-second meditation. Today's prayer is about 2 Corinthians 11, 13-15, which says, For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. And no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their works. So hit the 30-second back button on your podcast player a few times and meditate with me for a little while on discernment and who to trust, because prayer is the heavy artillery in the armor of God. So if you're ready, let's go. Father God, Satan desires nothing short of seeing your children burning in hell. But in your wisdom, you left the choice of heaven or hell up to each of us individually. Therefore, Satan wins no converts if he's honest. So he uses things of goodness and light, like preachers and teachers of your word, as tools of deception. Father, we eagerly want to hear all teaching, but grant us discernment so we may recognize the false teachers, discipline to search the scriptures to verify the truth, and wisdom to understand your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, that's all the Bible yalling I got for you tonight. Thank you, Father, for letting us study your word and for the gift of salvation through your son, Jesus Christ. Please take good care, everybody listening, and let this podcast be of some kind of help to them. You can look for us on Podbean, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Amazon, Google CastBox, and Facebook. 
And if you like Bible Y'all and you want to support it, best thing y'all can do is to pray for me and Bible Y'all Squall and all our friends and family. Because when the devil can't get to us, he goes after them. If you got any prayer requests, email them to BibleYallPodcast at gmail.com. Otherwise, just go on out and try to make the world a better place. And if you can't make things any better, just try not to make them any worse. Thanks, everybody, and God bless y'all. Hey, Bible, y'all. And Canaan lived after he begat Mahalalel, 840. And Canaan, I can't believe I can say Mahalalel, but not 840.